Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I am really excited about today's episode because we're going to take a little bit of a departure from our usual reality TV avenues, but definitely not our thematic psycho-spiritual avenues, with today's guest, who I met recently. Actually, it was a referral through a client, and she is an animal communicator. She is someone who speaks with animals, both living and dead. As a lot of you know, who have followed me for a bit. I had a um, beloved dog for 16 years, Bobby, who departed right when COVID hit March of 2020. And I had just been having an impulse to basically reconnect with him. It just felt like enough time had passed. I had been feeling his presence in my life and it just really felt to me like, okay, it's time to connect back to him. So I booked a session with my guest who I'm going to officially introduce in a moment. And I went into it really thinking, okay, this is just going to be an opportunity to chat with Bobby and hear what he has to say. And she explained to me very quickly that actually because Bobby has passed on, he is in soul form. He's actually now one of my guides. And so in speaking to him, it wasn't so much speaking to his earthly personality, but really Mm. to his higher self, his soul perspective. And what that meant for me was this actually became more of a a life reading for me with messages for me and my journey. And it was very deep and it was very profound. It was very, very powerful. And it took me by surprise because I found her to be doing other things than just animal communication. (laughs) There was definitely skills and resources on display as an empath, receiving psychic information. There was mediumship. There was all sorts of things. So what I was aware of as I was receiving my reading was the fact that So often I hear from so many of you asking me about my journey as an intuitive, my journey as an empath, how I discovered my quote unquote gifts, how I developed them, how I ended up doing this in the first place. I know a lot of you out there have your own relationship to gifts or possible gifts. I know a lot of you have an interest in how one even ends up on this kind of journey. So as I was in my session with my guest, I just had this hit that it might be really helpful, informative, interesting for a lot of you out there to bring her onto the podcast and to talk to her about her work and maybe get into some of these issues about what it really means to be someone out there who is honoring their intuitive psychic gifts and to be bringing this work to the world and to be embodying it in your life. So having said all that, with (laughs) no further ado, let me officially welcome my guest, Sarah Lee, to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for having me and for those sweet words and for acknowledging all of those things. You know, no one really ever says stuff like that. (laughs) I guess it's because it's very rare that I will have have a call with someone that sees what I'm doing. Yeah. So people don't tend to register the fact that there's a lot of different things going on at once. Totally. And also I forget it. Forget those things too. So I was like, oh, no, it's so interesting that you saw things like that because I never even thought of it that way at all. 
Well, that I was curious about that, and I'm sure we'll get into that over the course of the conversation. But part of me was yeah. curious about to what degree are you even conscious of how many different yeah. layers you're bringing into these sessions? Totally. I'm not that conscious of it. I guess it just happens. Okay, great. Well, maybe yeah. this will be a we'll, helpful space for you to even yeah. more deeply claim your gifts. Totally. Well, shall we get into it? I'd love to kind of just get into it. Yeah, start by helping the audience kind of understand a little bit more about you and what you do. So I guess just baseline explanation, if you were to explain to someone like, what is it an animal communicator does? Why do people come to you? What, What are you doing out there in the world? An animal communicator is someone that communicates with animals. And a lot of people will think, well, how is that even possible? Like, you know, animals don't communicate the same way that we do. But they really do. 90% of communication is nonverbal anyways. Mm. Yeah, people will call me, maybe the animal is still alive, maybe they've passed on and they have questions. And it really is just up to me to connect and be the telephone line between an animal and the human being. That's just my job. And what are the types of questions that people are generally coming to you with, just so the audience can kind of understand the flavor? Yeah, so if it's an animal that's alive, it may be behavioral things. It may be that they have cancer and the people want to know, okay, should we do chemo? Should we not? How long do they have to live? How do they feel? They feel so guilty about certain things. They're not sure. Should they do this operation? Should they not? Those kinds of future questions. Um, And then, of course, with animals that have passed, yeah, just looking for closure. A lot of times animals pass suddenly. There's no answers. And the people are looking for clarity, which is the beauty of what I do, because, you know, you can't complete this grieving process. Not that it ever really ends without clarity and closure. So they may give me experiences where then I can understand and have concepts of something to give clarity and closure to the people that are asking and then just them worried about, are they okay? Where are they? And then the animal will give me, you know, information either to confirm that it's them or information about their future or commentary on dynamics in the home or in their lives currently. It's always very different. But yeah, people call me for many different things to do with animals. And so when the animal is alive, because it feels like those are in a way are two very different things that the animal's alive. Yeah, very different things. Yeah. So just focusing for a moment on when the animal is alive, it sounds like Mm -hmm. the thrust of what you're really doing is in a way giving voice to what the animal wants thinks or feels in a way the animal's own intuitive wisdom of what it's sort of asking for or wanting for of itself yeah you know it's always different so things will come up about health things something that is like so bad for their body or you know i work based off of symbolism so not all the time but if they if there is a situation where they want me to know that for example there's cancer there's a certain experience and symbol that I would receive for that Mm. or like parasites or, you know, whatever it is, arthritis, health things. But like you said, it gets through all of those kinds of things pretty early on in the session. Then it becomes more about everyone's life together. Even when they are alive, they know us better than anyone else. So they will show me dynamics or people or warnings about things that the person should know or commentary on what's happening with a certain person in the home that we need to help certain people like the parents in the home may perceive the situation this way but an animal their pet may have a completely different perception Mm. of it and just getting everyone on the same page and i want to ask about that in a moment but just sticking with what you said earlier In terms of the animal having information, it sounds like Mm -hmm. not just for him or herself in terms of his or her own gross body, but sometimes even, like you said, what's going on with the owner. It sounds like essentially what you're saying then is that animals do have access to their own deep, intuitive 
knowing and wisdom. Oh, 100%. Much more than humans because they don't have this ego layer that human beings do. And so to, to explain that more, this is the way that they show me and what it looks like to me is we're all on earth having kind of like a human experience. There's experiences of loss, grief, jealousy, anger, you know, all of those things, right? And animals are having those experiences too. These animals are domesticated. They're also having a human experience, but more so, not only are they having an experience in the home, but they are energetically and spiritually oftentimes connected to the human being. So they are also, it's a giving and receiving. They take on our energy. There's a constant giving and receiving between you and your animal like that. But human beings have more of this ego that can block us from intuition, from really seeing what's going on. But animals don't have what it looks like is this ego layer. That's why people will talk about, you know, my dog knew that their, their Passover dog was in the room. Or, you know, there's like these intuitive things that happen with animals because they're still giving and receiving information. And that's also why I can access information. For example, a lot of times a dog, for example, will talk to me or show me a situation with someone in the workplace at the husband's work, hypothetically, right? But this dog has never been to the workplace and met this person. But the information is so uncanny and so spot on that it's obvious that they are accessing information in some kind of way to have an awareness of that. And how? Because, for example, and this has happened, the wife has awareness of this, maybe a woman at the workplace of the husband's work. And this dog is so connected to the wife that, you know, we are communicating through imagery and through concepts of things and, and through thoughts. That is communication. And that is how an animal can access information like that. I have a meta question, and this is going to get kind of like matrixy. What I want to know is, are you picking up on the animal's psychic intuition, or is this somehow actually your psychic intuition that somehow gets activated through the animal channel if that makes sense it's a it's a very good question there will be times where and i've got to be very strict on this like when i get information because otherwise i'm just going to walk down the street and have no control over my day you know Mm -hmm. but there will be times if it's really necessary for me to know where i will be like with someone hypothetically and an image or concept will come through and it's from them but i'm very strict about the way that i work And I always sit in a meditation first and connect to the animals, quote unquote, psyche and get the information through them. And I ask that it only comes through the animal and the highest good of all involved. I don't want to get information about what the husband thinks of the wife or Mm. the wife thinks of the husband, because that becomes really confusing. And human beings have this ego layer. So then I would get tainted information from the husband's perspective. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm And that's when it becomes really confusing where with animals, it's very pure information. and It's very black and white because they don't have a hidden agenda. Mm -hmm. It's a very good question. But if I'm in a session, it's coming through their experience. Kind of what I hear implicit to what you're saying is that for you, and this goes to something that I don't think is really talked about a lot, but the way that people quote unquote like us the way that we interpret or experience information there is at least for me right there's an actual experience of Mm -hmm. what it means to receive information and how I experience that in my body and in my field so what I'm kind of hearing and correct me if I'm wrong is that 
the psychic information you will receive from human beings energetically, experientially, it feels different in your system. It's so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so different. So if I'm like on the street, let's say, and I get information, it's more like I can feel it in my like physical body, like physical layer, and like I can feel it in my bones. That sounds crazy, but you know, it's very here. But if I'm getting information about hypothetically an affair, which doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened like three times. <laughs> Hate to say it. Men or women don't book a session with me if you have something in the background. No, I'm joking. Um, but when I'm getting information like that about the human through an animal, it's like, yeah, I don't know how to explain that. Like it's an experience over there, She's... not in my body. Oh, yes, yeah, it's people can't it's see like you up in the air, like on my left hand side. Yeah, mm-hmm. like um, I don't really know how to explain that. But if I'm accessing information where it's let's just say to be simple, like from the sky, my mind is in the air somewhere mm-hmm. up in front of me. So it's two different experiences and it feels very different. Exactly what you're saying. It's very different. I love that. And I just, there's something to me in this moment that feels important about that discernment because there are different Mm -hmm. types of information that come through. And even what you're saying, like you said, when it's human to human, you feel it in your body, which actually there's a name for that. It's called clairsentience. You know, clairvoyance is when you see images, Mm -hmm. like you spoke about that with seeing a certain symbol for cancer. Clairaudience is when we hear messages. For me as an empath, I would say 85% of my information is clairsentient. So I'm literally getting gut feelings. Yeah. Yeah. The energy moves through my body. And then I literally, I can drop into the energy that's coming Mm -hmm. up and I feel into it. And then I interpret that. I think there's something that's important to me for people who might be exploring their own gifts to really... Yeah, slowing down how Mm -hmm. you get information, the different ways that different types of information come in. Because I think to the point that you're essentially making for you, how you experience the different threads of information is information about the different threads of information. And when it's more ethereal for you or it feels like it's kind of coming from, let's say, the heavenly or astral realms down through your head on the left side, that for you is a clue. Okay, this is coming from the animals. And when I feel to my bones, this is coming from the human. And that's so important for you essentially as an interpreter of energy to know. Yeah, that's all it is. It's really just an interpretation. And then you know, on top of that, if I'm communicating with an animal, there may be a time where like a pastor of a grandmother comes through. And that experience is also very up. It's like in the air, but it feels completely different to if it was an animal. So that's how I know that someone has stepped forward. Mm. Like my whole everything changes, my temperature changes. And it takes a long time for you to figure those things out and to, yeah, like you say, discern. So if there are people that are trying to figure out what are their different modalities, also knowing that it often changes, mm-hmm. you know, like there was a time where I was only physically hearing voices and I promise you I wasn't schizophrenic, <laughs> physically hearing voices and not really feeling anything else. And now it's very rare that I will actually hear words. It's a mix of everything, but it takes you a long time to exercise this one, then exercise that and knowing that it's, the ballpark can sometimes change. I think the key to really having, if I can say, control over those things and be comfortable enough to navigate it is having boundaries, setting clear boundaries and verbalizing that because you know, for the longest time, I would just walk out into the world and be bombarded with information. And it's like you said, it can be in your gut, it can be so physical that it can mess you up and you're not 
it's very difficult sometimes to to navigate what is your stuff what is their stuff mm -hmm. what is just energy you picked up from someone that's in a really bad place and it can wreak havoc on your health if you're not in control of all of those things and so even though it was handy to sometimes be sitting next to someone and have information i then didn't have control over my experience or my day so now i'm very strict on it i can go out into the world and i have verbalized that it is not my choice to be bombarded with information when i want to receive information and help others and that's the only reason that i would ever do it i will verbalize that so people always say well what do you do when you go to a dog park aren't you just hearing all these conversations and it's not like that at all. <laughs> sounds fun to me actually so fun but it's not like that because i'm not in a session only in a session will i enter that space and give information for them to access me and access my energy and, and me to do the same to them and i only ask that the information i receive is for the highest good of everybody involved mm -hmm and for healing and all of those things because it, you know if you're not in control of it there is a darker side to it too and i'm not interested in that and i'm curious since you mentioned what sounds to me like a process of getting mm -hmm. into deepening relationship with these energetic boundaries were yeah. there specific practical things that you started doing that were particularly effective for you in establishing those boundaries i think the most important thing was coming to the understanding that the universe is governed by free will and you can have these these skills and these abilities and everything but you also have to know that you are fully in control for the longest time i never felt in control and it got so bad there were so many things that were constantly happening that i was just crippled with anxiety i couldn't function with this information but once i realized first of all that this is very real that these things with ghosts or people that have passed over and animals can happen. Once I really truly believe that, I know, okay, now there's steps to be taken. Then the second thing is knowing that I have free will and I don't have to give permission for things that don't make me feel comfortable and safe. So then from there, knowing, okay, I'm actually in control. I can take control of this and navigate it and live the way I want to live. You don't mm -hmm. have to be like a like a slave to this kind of right. kind of stuff, you know, which a lot of people can feel like, especially in the beginning. Like a martyr. And yeah. And so now, you know, I'll enter a session. I go through a deep meditation to make sure that I am like clear and ready. And then I will connect to my guides. It's very visual, but I'll ask them to lift me up to a space where it's called the zero point energy field, where you basically, if I could say all information is accessed um, or all information is stored. And then from there, I will find the animal and then, you know, connect with the animal, get the information and then close the session. So show gratitude, thank them for opening their hearts and giving me that information and then sending the energy back to them, bringing my energy back to me. And I imagine like giant scissors cutting all that energy like around my body because you really absorb everything. You're having a physical experience. You're having an energetic experience, spiritual experience, emotional experience a lot of the time. And that, one thing that I found helped really well was then after all of that, I would then look at the animal and notice what about the animal, how they look, their family, their home, where they are, and then me. And how different I am, what I look like. I'm mm. a human being. I'm in a different phase and really focusing on the differences and separating. And then I will feel a physical separation because mm. sometimes I find even if I imagine like cutting that in, in energy, I still feel an attachment. Right. So I have to do a bunch of different things to then eventually feel the separation. Right. And that can take a long time. And then saying, I do not give permission for any energy, physically, spiritually, emotionally, incarnate, discarnate, to attach itself to me or my life besides my own energy. Mm -hmm. 
and really being strict on that. And you have to be strict on it because there is other energy that can snake its way through and attach to you. Yeah. And then going about my day, trusting that I've done everything I need to do. Yeah. There's so much that you're speaking to that feels so important. I guess if I just kind of let myself feel into what feels most alive for me. I think for me, what I really hear and what I really relate to is almost what I would call that symbiotic relationship between, as you mentioned, there's something for me about the moment you actually take what you're doing seriously that feels so connected to the willingness to have strong energetic boundaries. Because I know for me, because of my background and the way that I grew up and certain emotional conditioning, it took me a long time to, and probably it's still an ongoing process to this day. It took me a long time to really not just own that there was stuff coming through me that was true and quote unquote accurate, uh, but that it also was of tremendous value to a lot of people to like really own Mm -hmm. that for myself. And even more than that, in my own personal journey, it's been it, it's been a journey from the head down into the heart and into the body. So I, I have actual therapeutic training. So there was a moment where yeah. I was out there as a therapist and I was working with writers. I was always yeah. doing intuitive spiritual work. That's sure, always what yeah, I was doing. Exactly. But it had these labels, mm-hmm. you know, and I was a teacher at college for screenwriting. And, you know, then I became, an, you know, I finally stepped into owning, okay, I'm an intuitive and I'm an empath. But even in that work, there's still a way that I'm really able to bring my brain into it and my analysis into it, which don't get me wrong, serves the work. I mean, I think that's part of what makes it really deep and powerful. But I also know that in the beginning, what I realize is there's also a way I'm disowning that this is deep energy work. And that, yeah, yeah, I'm going very deep energetically. And I was one of those people where, you know, people would say things like, oh, imagine cutting the cord, surround yourself in protective white light. And I would do it. And I was like, this is not doing anything. Yeah, it's not enough. But what happened for me was the moment that I started to really turn a corner around. No, 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 no. Wait a second. This is energy work. It is deep. Something is happening in these sessions. I take that seriously for myself. I mean, first of all, it was just a relief, right? Because you're owning your gifts, essentially. exactly. Um, But then also when I took that seriously, you know, it was that sudden awareness of, holy shit, I am inviting energy into my space and I am energetically sensitive. And from that moment... Then I started creating the rituals, you know, and for me, it involves, you know, some um, physical embodiment and I do visualizations as well. But that's the moment that stuff became real for me Mm -hmm. because I was taking I was taking the energetic component seriously. And the moment I did that, I realized to your point, I get to, in a way, call the shots and have discernment. Yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. That's such a good way of putting it. We actually get to call the shots. And also, I mean, I love what you're saying about free will, too, because I get questions like this a lot about, you know, how do you protect yourself or it's so hard? You know, like there's a bit of a martyr voice to it. And again, I say that. I mean, that was my story for a while as well. And, you know, I always kind of look at, well, what's the unconscious part of you that has an investment in being drained by this work that has an investment in not having strong boundaries? It's like, you know, because I I am a believer that we are co-creating our realities. So I think sometimes what happens in this community, there's there's kind Mm -hmm. of this voice that's sort of like, I am so sensitive and the world is so big (laughs) and bad and it's so hard for me. And it's like, yes, it's true. And to your point, it is difficult a lot of times to navigate being the sensitive. There's not 
a lot of education about this in the greater culture. And we also get to look at from the place of self-responsibility, from the place of free will, from the place of taking responsibility for what we're creating. If you're having this experience of, let's call it energetic violation or invasion, Mm -hmm. what part of you might be hesitant to claim strong energetic boundaries for yourself such that you can then step out into the world and say, okay, here I am and I'm willing to work with spirit and to do what I'm here to do and to have my life at the same time. Totally, 100%. You know, I've worked with a lot of kids that naturally have these abilities, you know, whatever you want to call them, indigo children, all those kinds of things. And they they will be bombarded with information and they don't yet have the cognizance that this is not normal, which I understand so well because that was my whole life growing up. You know, you don't understand it that it's not normal, but then also not having the tools to have boundaries so i can understand that way if they're walking through the world like just having no control over their anxiety or how they how they're feeling and they're giving some information they don't know what to do with it but then with adults you know if you are already saying you know i'm an empath and you already have the understanding that you have this ability it is actually not only your birthright but it is actually your job to really hone and take control of that stuff and at the same time yes we can feel into things we can feel something is coming and it's in our field already or we can be bombarded with information or affected by someone's energy that's walking around or about what's happening in the world but at the same time we also have to accept it or don't accept it you know we're not going to change the world with snap of a finger we can strive for that but it is actually a choice whether you're a victim to the stuff or not whether you're a victim to the world or not and there are certain things that we don't you know there are certain things that make us victims that it's we are definitely victims and it's not our fault there's certain things for sure but in terms of being a victim of the world you know a lot of people will be like i don't know how to just i I just don't want to go to work because i'm an empath and i'm just being so affected by everything that's going on with Trump. To me, now this is an unpopular opinion, that is actually a choice for you to experience the world that way. I can't change Trump. You can't change Trump or whoever it is, not even Trump, who whatever that's, that's affecting in this world. I am actually then giving permission for me, my personal precious energy to buy into that story. I'm giving my energy away by doing that. We can be in the world, but be preserving our energy. We choose what we are leaking our energy towards. And so to say, oh, I'm just not having a good day because of everything that's happening in the world, or by choosing to engage in things that really are out of our control because we are actually not God, even though it would be nice, we're not. We are choosing to be victims to things that we can't change. And that's something that it took me a long time to realize but we don't have to, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that we have. We are actually allowed to not give our energy away so easily. Even though we feel like we, we have the capability to help others, if we can't preserve that energy to help others, then what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think also understanding too, with something like Trump, for example, that we are part of that creation. You know, I mean, totally. I, I, I remember everyone saying, totally. Trump's not my president. <laughs> And I was kind of like, oh, really? Um, How's that working out for you? Because he is actually your president. I'm I'm pretty sure he is. And, you know, and for me, it was just interesting because when you say something like that, when I hear something like that, I'm like, okay, well, then you're not in reality. And by the way, as a collective, Mm -hmm. we created him. Like, I get it. I didn't vote for Trump. He's not who I wanted as president. But guess what? I can't pick and choose the parts of the dream that I'm participating in. So if I, you know, and by the way, I want to say, Not everyone believes in this 
in the spiritual path or in this version of spirituality, which is great. If you yeah. don't believe it, then yeah. believe in it, then you don't. For yeah. me, I do believe that everything that we're seeing in some way is a reflection of the internal landscape, where we are as a collective. So yeah, if we elect this guy as our president, mm-hmm. you know, as a nation, as a world, it is reflecting something in all of us. And mm-hmm. if I'm going to disown that, then I'm disowning like whatever my participation in this yeah. is. So it's just this notion, you know, to your point of I'm so burdened and overwhelmed by my sensitivity or my gifts and then the way that it interfaces with the world, which just creates this, even that it's this, it's this binary way of looking at things, you know, like I'm over here in this precious corner. It's a big, bad world. No one gets me. No one, no one understands me. And I think the flavor of what I'm getting in this conversation is how that does disown a kind Mm -hmm. of personal empowerment. And so what I would maybe want to ask someone who finds themselves in that energetic corner is, yeah, what part of you might be resisting stepping into personal empowerment? Because for me, what comes is the idea of, well, then your life really gets to flow. You know, then you get to be out there doing your thing. Then there's no excuse for not participating. And I think the other thing that I would want to bring into this too, especially with the work that I do, you know, I'm trained in a somatic psychotherapy. Like I said, you know, I'm clairsentient. It's all about the body. It's about emotions. It's about feelings. So I'm the king of we do not bypass our feelings, no matter what they are. And so it's not a matter of you have to be happy about, for example, Trump being president. And it's not even a matter of you have to necessarily be happy about having your gifts. I don't always Mm -hmm. love being this highly sensitive empath who has to really modulate my life and take care of myself. But that said, when feelings come up, I get to choose how I interface with them, which for me doesn't mean ignoring them or even talking myself out of them, but welcoming them. It's like, okay, how do I feel here? What is the feeling coming up? What's the story I'm telling myself about these feelings? What's the place in my history that this relates to? Like greeting Mm -hmm. it as an opportunity to do more of my inner work, which again, for me, shifts me out of feeling like a victim of circumstance. Exactly. And once again, into a place of some part of me, if I'm a spiritual being having a human experience and I came down here to create something for myself, for me, part of taking responsibility for what I'm creating is this notion that I am creating all of it. And no, it doesn't mean I'm going to be in Buddha-like Zen acceptance of it at all times. Totally. But that I am willing to work with it, that I'm willing to engage with my feelings and that I'm willing to not just retreat into Mm -hmm. feeling like this, to your point, kind of put upon victim who has no choice, who has no agency. And this is my excuse for taking my balls and going home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also like for the more visual people... How I see it is we can have a consciousness and awareness of hypothetically Trump being president. And we can converse about that and talk about, you know, whatever your feelings are towards the subject. But there's a difference between having a consciousness of it. And this is where discernment becomes really important, because if you are sitting across the table from someone, let's say, arguing about politics, you can actually if you really wanted to argue about politics without giving your energy away. But what a lot of us do is we buy into the story. We give our energy away and we allow, and we receive things back, whether it's anger, whether it's frustration, you should be able to have verbal conversations or mental conversations about something without giving away or affecting your actual energy. Mm. And that's something that I really had to work on a lot because I would just be so affected by everything. 
And it's like, you know what? It's actually not, it's not really what I came here to do. I didn't come to this world to just be constantly like affected by stuff. I actually, I also came to have a human experience aside from what I do. And so I have to, it's my responsibility to allow that to happen. It's my responsibility to preserve that so I can have as full and safe and happy and healthy experience as possible. And so I'm curious, literally, how would you do that? If you were arguing about politics in a place where you would maybe normally get triggered, do you have actual tools for conserving your energy for you? I think I'm just aware of it, you know, if there was a heated conversation, I know that I'm separate from this person, you know, and so it may help people in that sense to do, you know, the white light, imagine yourself in a bubble. And if things are flying at that bubble, they're just bouncing off, like you're unaffected, you're not buying into it or having it affect your field, sitting opposite someone and knowing that so you can be arguing about something or conversing about it, and disagreeing and having an opinion like this person is X, Y, and Z without that, those thoughts changing your energy or affecting it in any way. But I believe the only way to really do that and to, to know when it is affecting you, when you are buying into that stuff, is to really have a very good relationship and ability to nav- navigate your own body. Mm. And this is something that I'm really passionate about. People that are doing energetic work we are energy, as we all know. If we are not looking after this vessel that's giving and receiving information and energy constantly, it becomes very difficult to navigate this world, in my experience. And that's how you can feel when we're talking about detaching from certain things. Why do you and I, we can imagine cutting the cord, but it doesn't feel right. Like, why do you and I both be like, mm, but I haven't really unattached from this. It's because we've done the work to navigate our bodies to know I still feel something in the left side of my body. I still feel this in like this attachment to another person and another person's information. The only way that we are aware of that is because we've navigated our body. So that's the first step to really being able to have boundaries and understand that you can be in something and not be so affected by it. It comes with understanding what does it feel to be affected by it yes so what comes to me for example let's just say someone were to get into actual practical process with this yeah. uh let's say you have a heated conversation you know about politics or with a family member or something that's just generally triggering to you maybe even just taking yeah. the time after that conversation to just sit with yourself mm. even if it's for 15 minutes breathe and just notice where am yeah. i feeling yeah. this in my body yeah How does this affect my body? If I'm angry or if I'm upset, what is my embodied experience of those feelings? Even that right there, you're just, you're shifting from the place of being lost in the story to witnessing what's happening on an energetic level and dealing with your own feelings as energy, which really that is what feelings are. That's the basis of the work that I do. Uh, completely. And I'm always saying this mm-hmm. to my clients, our feelings, they are literally currents of energy that want to move mm-hmm. through us. And it's yeah. our willingness to express our feelings, yeah. to express our energy, to let the body have its wisdom, which by the way, animals are great at, that allows yeah. our core essence and our life force to flow. And so yeah. that's why I'm always saying with my clients, it's so important to feel 
all the feelings, including, by the way, the feelings that are stuck, that are buried, the feelings that you think are, quote unquote, negative, that you want to bypass. Because if your body is holding on to those feelings, that is part Mm -hmm. of your energetic life force that's not flowing. And if you're not fully flowing, you can't expect the universe to flow towards you. So, you know, I'm always saying that to the point earlier, we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We literally came down here to be embodied like that is the fundamental difference between where we are in the spirit realm to have these bodies to be defined by time and space to have these feelings and these currents of energy that move through us so you know i think to your point anything that brings us back to our bodies Mm -hmm. that brings us back to an awareness of the feelings inside our bodies of as currents of energy and that yeah, yeah once we start getting into a different kind of relationship with our feelings as energy then we can cultivate the kind of consciousness that's needed and necessary to actually work with it in a different way and knowing that you have the ability and it is actually your job to make that choice someone actually sent in this question recently and i get this question a lot too about how you develop intuitive gifts and you know i know Mm -hmm. there are ways to do that but the thing that i'm always saying to people that feels so important to me is number one thing be doing your own inner work. Even though I'm not working as a therapist, you know, I went through a four-year training program where five times a year I went to these four-day modules doing like deep processing work, excavating, you know, so much of the shit. And the reason why this is so important is to what we're saying, we are our own vessels. And so it's like, yes, we're channeling energetic information. It's also coming through us as vessels and it's up to us to interpret it. And I feel like our ability and willingness and capacity to interpret things in a clean and clear way Mm -hmm. or from a place of deeper understanding is directly proportionate to our own relationship to our own selves, to our own feelings, to our own energy. I mean, I guess if I were to put this like in practical terms, you know, let's say, for example, I'm someone who's really uncomfortable with my own rage or my own anger, and I want to keep that in arm's length. If something around that comes through for a client, and I have some kind of like shaming relationship to that inside myself, how am I going to hold space for that within my client? Or if I'm cut off from my own energy Mm -hmm. in some profound way, how am I going to be an open vessel for someone else? So I'm always saying first thing, I think it sort of maybe sounds glamorous to go to like Hogwarts and learn magic. But my thing is number one thing, if you really want to be doing this work, I think Mm -hmm. you should be going out there, doing your own inner work, finding real support that challenges you, do your emotional work. Yeah, Yeah, and I mean, that is literally empathy. Empathy is the ability to feel and understand those feelings of others, but to be able to feel it yourself. So the question is, well, how could you be an empath for others Mm -hmm. if you can't feel it yourselves? If you are cut off from anger, then you cannot feel the anger of others to now help them break it down and work through it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And to me, that's also such a spiritual notion because I think in terms of quantum physics and the idea that everything's a hologram within a hologram within a hologram and the smallest micro particle is a reflection of the biggest macro whole and vice versa. To me, everything starts with our relationships to ourselves. So Mm -hmm. if you want to be seen and heard in the world, are you seeing and hearing yourself? And so I think to what you're saying, it's like, yeah, if you can't have, if you can't hold that space for yourself, you know, and if you can't be willing to 
look at your own blind spots and to be challenged and to go through the places of shame and fear that historically you maybe never wanted to go through. How can you really do that for other people? Or maybe you can, but there's going to be some sort of blind spot there where it's not it's not completely yeah. clean. You know, you've yeah. got to be willing to do that on an inner work yeah. if you're going to lead other people there. And I just say that because I feel like I see so many times. I mean, mm-hmm. people call it spiritual bypassing. You see people and you can feel it a lot of times when they're positioning yeah. themselves as doing this work as a way to kind of maybe skirt around their own humanity. And I think also sometimes this, what we're talking about, comes back to worth. And I would say, you know, you are actually very worthy of taking the time to do that. Mm-hmm. The feelings that you feel are very worthy and they're there for a reason. And you are actually in control. You know, if you are somebody that, and, you know, I'm talking from experience, so I understand. If you are someone that feels like, that your feelings and your energy and how they have shifted is not as relevant as others. I welcome you to really go and, and look at that and know that there is a reason that you feel or affected by things in a certain way and look at that and then know that you are fully in control. It doesn't matter. Okay, there are certain situations, like I said earlier, that you are 100% a victim and it's not your fault, right? But there are a lot of things like we were talking earlier, you know, if you have an argument with a family member and it's just so bad, you are actually allowed to consciously be like, what they said was so fucked up. What they said made me feel like this, but I'm walking away from this conversation. You are allowed to actually not have your physical body changed from that experience. It is actually a choice in that way. And that took me a long time to do, but wow, is the world so much better when you choose the health in all aspects of your experience. You know, for the longest time, I would, I would be so affected by things. And I really didn't enjoy the human experience. I didn't enjoy being here. I, you know, it was just like, I felt like I didn't have control over being here. I didn't have control over my experience every day. I didn't know how I would be affected by whatever happened when I walked out into the world. That's like a big burden. A lot of people feel that. And I didn't realize that at that time that I was actually choosing for my energy to be affected. Now that I have that power and I know that no matter what, I'm in control. Life is so different. I actually enjoy being a human now. So I would just welcome you to, you get to choose, like, is that your shit or not? Are you going to carry that or not? It's actually your choice. And you're allowed to say, no, fuck that. I'm not, not my circus, not my monkey. It's actually your choice. And I think what I would add on to that based on my own experience, because I just kind of keep hearing the voice of the person who says, yeah, but that's so easy to say, but what happens when the person cuts you off and you are triggered by it? And it's almost like, The process that I'm seeing sort of reveal itself, this is how I would frame it. Because again, we don't want to bypass feelings, right? If they're there, they're there. So it's almost like, to me, what I would say is that the person cuts you off or gives you the finger and you have this reaction. Okay, great. Acknowledge that there's a reaction and the trigger is showing you something. Like something's getting triggered inside of you. So use this as your sacred, rather than getting, again, lost in the story of like, that asshole and this is why the world sucks and this is why I'm not safe to go out there and be who I am. Instead, it's like, no, something's coming up in me that's not resolved. Mm -hmm. Let me go into these feelings, into this energy with consciousness. Where is this taking me? Oh, this is reminding me of like my mom who left me. Who And then it's like, that's your work to do. And as you clear out that, we could call it gunk or whatever you want to call it. As you clear that out, then you get to claim and feel the feelings that have been disowned. And so then you can be in kind of like right alignment where... 
once that charge is worked through because you've done your deeper inner work, now when someone gives you the finger, you can have that space to say, oh, that has nothing to do with me and it doesn't impact me. So I just want to say that because I feel like, you know, and this is always the case, right? Multiple things are true at once. I just, I, I feel kind of all these powerful threads that we're naming that feel a part of this. And just to name them, kind of rename them really succinctly, it's deep ownership of your gifts and really kind of owning that there is something coming through you, willingness to take responsibility for what you're creating and what it might mean for you to, you know, to have strong energetic boundaries, uh, willingness to get into deeper relationships with your feelings as energy to do your own inner work. And then, yeah, as you kind of master this dance to your fundamental point, then making the choice to know what's not mine and just to stay with what's mine yeah and even if it is yours you don't have to be a victim to Mm -hmm. what's yours and that's what it goes back to worth it's like you are actually worthy enough to i'm not saying it's comfortable but to actually own that stuff without being a victim to it right you know this whole thing is we get into a place where you are actually the captain of all of the stuff right and that's kind of what i'm saying too it's like yeah if that person cuts you off in the parking lot when you freak out about it that's kind of the victimized voice it doesn't change the fact they did it like yes they did it okay they're an asshole but and that it pissed you off exactly but let me take responsibility for where this is taking me from a non-shaming way you know it's just again we're having a human experience oh look something's coming up in me this is energy for me like what is this where is this taking me because yeah to your point like five thousand other people might get cut off and be like oh that's funny like i don't care but it's taking me somewhere energetically. So this is my clue that there's something here for me to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also want to say, though, I so agree with you about how important it is for people to understand that they have a right to their feelings and they have a right to own their feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's so important for us to be seen and to be heard. And I think a lot of us come from backgrounds where we learn early on, we get messages like, your feelings don't matter. You don't have a right to feel that way. Stop being so oversensitive. You're being ridiculous, especially if you're speaking out against the family system or you're speaking out against a culture. And and I think a lot of times what I see with my clients is there's such a fear to even let themselves know how they might be feeling about something because they're scared they've got it wrong. Maybe they misinterpreted it somehow. Yeah. And I'm always kind of sitting there like, you know, that's not even really the point. The point is you have some sort of energetic charge around this. There are feelings in there. Let's just say you're in complete projection over a situation. You still have a right to let yourself know how you feel about this. And if it takes you somewhere where you realize maybe you weren't seeing it completely clearly because of like past history or whatever, fine. But we all deserve that space just to fundamentally be heard in the place of, hey, I'm having a reaction here. Something's coming up in me. Because Mm. whether it's quote unquote right or wrong, whatever those terms mean, it's coming from somewhere inside you. It's a voice in you that needs and wants to be heard. Whether it's about this situation or it's about something from 20 years in the past. But if you're holding on to it, you're never even going to get clarity on where it belongs or where it's coming from in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And also, I just really know that it is our birthright to experience growth and expansion through feeling safe and comfortable. We don't have to suffer to experience growth mm-hmm. unless we want to. We may have suffered in the past and grown from it 100%, but we don't only have to 
experience growth through being miserable and through suffering. It is actually our birthright to hone these skills, to work through past traumas, all of these things through a place of safety and comfortability if we so choose. Yeah, and I love what what is implicit to everything we're saying and that this is all a process. You know, we're not sitting here saying you master all of this overnight. I mean, for me, this has been a very, very long process and it is ongoing and it's happening now even as we speak. So yeah, there's space, there's gentleness, there's slowness. If we were meant to be transformed overnight, there'd be no point (laughs) in coming down into this lifetime. Yeah, why the hell would we be here? And honestly, it would be so nice if you and I were sitting here with wings and we were archangels and we didn't have to have, you know, but you and I are also having a human experience. And so I think I should just clarify that I am also having a human experience while I can detach from myself to see things of others very clearly and understand it and navigate the psyche of those kinds of things. I also, once I'm switched off from that, I'm also having a human experience. Mm -hmm. I'm also constantly navigating my own self. My intuition is not always at 100%. Sometimes I'm so burnt out. Sometimes my own personal life has affected my ability to walk through the world. And I have to take a step back. Like it's it's an ebb and flow the whole time. And I think all we can ask of each other and ourselves is to just do our best. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all we can do. And then we're going to die. And we're going to be like, well, that was a fun dream. (laughs) What's next? You know? (laughs) So you and I also navigating that stuff ourselves exactly always. and we have always our always doing the work always we have our own blind spots we have our own triggers and yeah, just speaking for me 100%. i'm 100 percent always getting help <laughs> i'm always getting yeah, help of some yeah, kind me too me too and in fact i wouldn't trust someone who's not always getting i mean maybe not well, i'm not saying 24 7 but you know who's in a constant process of expansion and deepening yeah. consciousness and that's what makes me and this will also be an unpopular opinion but that's what makes me uncomfortable about gurus Mm-hmm. because I don't like this idea of like someone with an intuition on a pedestal telling others because we are also human. Right. I can't relate to that because, or oh, that idea that I have something that you don't have. Personally, I believe that we all were born with this this golden cord that we could access information, but it's the ego or our conditioning that has dumbed that down or, or blocked that and blocked our ability. But it doesn't mean that it's not there. And like you say, I don't know that I would really that I would really trust a guru that sits, you know, on the stage talking to others about what they need to be doing differently or and acting as if they've done it all and like the work that they needed to do on themselves is done. I'm fine with the I mean, like I loved I mean, okay, let me be clear about what I'm gonna say because this could get yeah. so misrepresented. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah. he did some naughty things. I'm not agreeing with the way things went down for anyone who watched the Netflix documentary. What the wild wild, wild country. Yeah, wild country. Yeah. But yeah. what Osho channeled in his time yeah. was brilliant. I mean, I love Osho. I love Osho. I you know, I've got the books, yeah. you know, I got I've got his Zen tarot deck right here. The information that came through, I just think where it gets tricky i mean certainly yeah when the guru himself believes in himself as the guru or herself as the right, guru that's exa- that's what i'm saying and also to our point about self-victimization when we live in a culture where people want to defer to the guru of like oh you you give me the answer sarah like yeah. i want you to give me the answer yeah. as opposed to no, 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 no. I get to discern. I'm coming yeah. to you with a question. You're going to give me an answer. I still get to take responsibility 
for what feels right for me and that I'm using this as a vehicle to connect with my own inner knowing and that I'm strong enough to say if what this guy is telling me doesn't feel right, I don't have to follow it. Because I don't think yeah. it's it's a, it's a it's a co-created thing. I think there are a lot yeah. of people. And believe me, again, I've been there. I can't tell you. Like when I was younger, I loved to go to. I just wanted people to give me the answer, tell me what to do. Right. But it's yeah. another way of disowning my power. It's like no one else can yeah. tell me what to do. And yeah. if I put you on that pedestal, yes. I got to take responsibility for that as well. I can't just point totally. a finger at you and be like, oh, well, you're the big bad yeah. guru who brainwashed yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like. Yeah, he is. He is great. He's done so many great things and helped so many. But I can still view those kinds of people all on the same level as everyone else. Oh, yeah. Because we're all just human beings. Exactly. exactly. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Until there's a guru that's not a human being. Like, (laughs) you know. Because to me, it's just fun. Like the whole, I mean, and again, I know obviously it becomes dangerous when it's not fun for people, but just the whole sort of, it's, it's like a bit of theater with the guru. It's like they sit on the stage, they channel wisdom, yeah, it's you know, like, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Until but it's not. Always, <laughs> until, until Wild Wild Country comes out. Exactly. No, yeah, and I always tell people, you know, I don't want to always have calls with the person. Like I want them to be equipped so that they don't have to call me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm always saying to my clients. It's like, this is, I don't want you, I don't want you just deferring to me. And I, I sometimes say too, you know, the moment you know, you know, you're, I mean, not truly, but you've done your work is when you disagree with me. You know what I mean? When you say no, and I'm yeah. like, okay, great. I love yeah. that. I love that you're challenging me. Don't just yeah. defer to me. I, my whole point is you have your own creative inner wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I really see my job. I guess I see my job as helping you to navigate your unconscious landscape so you know what you truly feel about things and can let your energy run, but so that you can then connect to your own inner creative wisdom and how it wants to flow because that's what you came here to do. And I have my own way. What works for my creative rhythm isn't your creative rhythm. Like we're two different vibrations. Yeah. Or when people ask like, well, what should I do? And I'll always say, I don't know. You tell me, what should you do? Mm -hmm. You have the capability to to figure that out i can help you i can help you i have you know there there's commentary on things but it's got to come from from you it's your narrative and story and we're just like roadmaps a little bit like oh this is northeast south and west and this is a hill and this is an ocean yeah and you never know how it's going to impact you i mean i remember i found this really i have this knack for finding these magical body workers but who aren't out there as body like magical body workers like i'll go to i'll go to like a spa just to get a massage and then have this deep spiritual experience with this guy who i later find out is this big kundalini person or whatever but i remember i found one of these people and so i had you know referred some of my friends to this to this guy jim a bunch of my friends had gone and had their deep experiences with jim and then one friend went to jim and she didn't have a response and okay. the fact that she didn't have a response took her somewhere so deep inside of herself. And then she ended up having not like a breakdown, breakdown, but having a breakdown about it. And it kind of brought her into all these questions about, yeah, just how she's navigating her life and the, the lack of feeling of depth to it. And the way she framed it when she was talking about it was kind of like, oh, I didn't get to have the experience that everyone else had. And I looked at it and I was saying to her, no, yeah, you, you totally had, had your experience. experience. You had your experience from the lack yeah. of an experience and it took exactly. you somewhere. So I just say that because exactly. when you say we're just a roadmap, it's like, and you never know 
You might go to someone just for them to give you a completely wrong answer that doesn't feel right. And then you connect with something inside yourself that's truer. Exactly. 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 Mm, I love this. Yeah. It's so interesting you said that because I was just telling someone there's there's a woman in South Africa that sometimes if I need help, I'll call her and she's amazing. And like you say, everyone that I've sent to her, they all come over and like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. You know, all of these things. And then my one friend went and he was just like, we didn't vibe at all. She was giving me information that was like the exact opposite of, you know, what I, what I think and whatever. And she told me this thing to do and it was so absurd. And I was like, but do you understand that people that are doing psychic work are literally just channeling information that is necessary for you? And she may have, and this is exactly what ended up happening. She was just the, the, the signpost. His guides had basically given her information to relate to him so that he could realize what he actually wanted. Mm. So she told him the, this idea of something that was opposite of what he wanted. But when she told him that, he was like, oh my God, no, I cannot do that. I can't live like that. And it gave him so much clarity. I was like, don't you see that even if someone that's psychic says, oh, you should turn left, but you actually turn right? There's a reason that they told you to turn left because it guided you to turn right. Mm-hmm. It's not always about being this spot on information. You know, you're going to marry someone that's six, three <laughs> Armenian with the name Carl, you know, like it's not always like that. It's, it's information to guide you in a direction and it may not seem like it's guiding you in a direction, but when you look back on it, you realize that every bit of information that you're receiving is just signposts along the way right because we're meant to be on a journey and i think this goes back to what feels like an emerging theme in this conversation which is like self-responsibility for our experience don't yeah Yeah. don't run to psychics and animal communicators and empaths wanting them to solve things for you be willing to take responsibility for your human experience yeah uh by connecting to your own inner wisdom and using these guides and helper you know it's just like a classic hero's journey it's just there's helpers along the way and you you get to choose how you filter the information now having said that that's actually a perfect segue into something that I've been wanting to ask you about actually since my reading and it's come up in this conversation which is this notion of free will Mm. Uh, because I definitely believe in free will and it sounds like you do too I remember you you had a bit of um uh you know I guess you could call it kind of like a it wasn't quite a psychic prediction but you could kind of sense where things were going for me and how it would Mm -hmm. feel on the other side of this particular journey I'm on And you actually said something, you said something to the effect of kind of like, don't worry, it's like already written or this is going to happen. It's already happening. So, you know, it doesn't really, not that you said it doesn't really matter what you do, but you said something like it's already Mm -hmm. happening. And I remember I was kind of struck by that and and it did lead me to have curiosity about where you are at in your work in terms of free will and the role that free will plays in our lives and Mm -hmm. maybe how you would even relate it to what you were saying to me if you even remember at this point I don't know no I yeah I do I do remember so this is how this is how they show me and before this work okay I've been doing this work my whole life but before really honing it I kind of was like you know I was always aware even from a child that there was there was other energies at play that there were guides that there were all of these things but I wasn't really quite sure well what the shit happens when you die and as I did this work more and more it just became so apparent I mean in every session you see it or well, I see it 
is that we come here to learn certain lessons. I personally believe in reincarnation just based off of what they've shown me. Before before really honing this work, I thought like, oh, we were born randomly. We have this experience. We learn some lessons, then we die and that's it. Like I was, I was like, I'm not, not really sure. But what's become so apparent to me is that there's certain things that we come here to experience. And before we come, we choose certain things. So there's things that are set in stone, the day we're born, where we're born, to whom we're born to, certain major life events that will teach us and shape us in a different way and have us experience the certain different faces of love, fear, jealousy, grief, all of those things. And then the day we die, how we die, who's involved in how we die, all of those things set in stone. And then the rest of the stuff is kind of like, we get to choose, you know, there's certain things that we can't deny that it is inevitable that that person died on that day in our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, that's inevitable. But we also don't have to, like I was saying earlier, be victims to this whole story. Yeah, sure. I came here and chose certain things. I had to go through certain things to be who I am today. And I'll continue to, to do that. But I also get to be in control and in power of those things. So, you know, the things that we were talking about in our session... It's more of a commentary, what I was seeing, a commentary what's ha happening, but I'm seeing it on the bird's eye view to give you confirmation and, and to give you guidance. But mm. although it may have felt like intimidating to you, it's there for a reason. It's already written. These, this is one of these things that is one of those things that are kind of like set in stone because there's a certain kind of growth or transformation that has to happen there. But you get to not be scared by those things or be uncomfortable by those things. You get to own it. And if you don't want to go through those things, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. The universe is governed by free will. If you choose, you know what? This isn't serving me anymore. You get to own that choice. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really important. It's, a lot of these things can be intimidating or like I'm scared of this thing that's going to happen and whatever. And those kinds of things, and I'm not talking about, I have to preface this because people like will complain. Like, you know, of course, being a victim of abuse, those kinds of things is completely different to what I'm talking about. I'm talking about life things other different types of life things. That thing that we're talking about in our call, it's already in your field. Right. You, there's already this exchange happening and you get to know that although maybe in the past there was something that happened or the way that you felt that you were scared or you didn't feel safe or any of those things, the beauty of it now is that you don't, you don't have to experience this experience like that anymore. You can experience it through being in power and knowing that you are in control every step of the way and also know that you are protected and safe as you go through the, these experiences and these transformations. You get to experience this growth through safety and comfortability and feeling nurtured and secure. You don't have to only go through growth feeling like the opposite of that. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm hearing a few things. So let me just reflect it back to you. So one, what I'm hearing is, um, yeah, this notion in terms of life task, life plan. You know, we we come down here to learn certain lessons, to vibrate at a certain vibration. And so it's almost like I always think of it as maybe like an outline for a movie. You know, you, mm -hmm. you kind of know the basics of the character. Right. There's certain choices yeah. that are made. You know, certain beats are going to get hit, but then you leave room you know, for totally. sort of how it wants to go. And totally. maybe I'll just kind of add something of my own in here. Yeah. For me, I think why free will feels so important. Because I, you know, I'd always think about these things, especially, you know, I love astrology. So I'd always be thinking yeah. about, well, what's the difference between destiny and free will? And what's that balance mean? And it's almost like, the answer that I arrived at, which in some ways actually feels quite simple, it's of course we have to have free will because the idea is if we're meant to learn something and to master something in this lifetime, 
we have to make the choices to engage with that lesson. Otherwise, that's what makes it an experiential process or that's what makes it a process where we experience something and it's right. through it being experiential that we actually learn the lesson. Mm -hmm. If we were just downloaded the lesson like in the matrix yeah. from birth, no, like exactly. we're not mastering it. We're, we need to experience it, which means we mm. need to go in a process with it, which means we have to have free will right. in order to choose what we're yeah. choosing. And you know, the things that I've read, you know, it's it's this notion of sometimes if we don't quite master the lesson, we might have to come back and, you know, give yeah. that lesson another go around. And so it, it's almost like life is a big, um, it's like practicing for a sport. You kind of keep going in and practicing your swing and practicing your, yeah. your swing until you've mastered it, yeah, right? So exactly. free will is where we do that. So free will is so important. And part of what I'm hearing from you in terms of my specific process is one, mm -hmm that you are picking up on things that may have already been predetermined. Like this is just part of the life plan. And also yeah. what I heard too, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that I am already on a journey, right? And my journey, by the way, is in large part powered by the free will I've already exercised and the choices that I'm already making. So even if you're seeing something and you're saying, hey, this is already happening, that also could be speaking to my free will because I am in a process of free will and I've been making a lot of choices and doing a lot of work that's taking me somewhere and that that's part of what you're seeing from the bird's eye view. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and I think it was just a, a check-in on where you're at on that story that already exists. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And I think like you mentioned the difference between destiny and free will. I think that destiny, we don't have a, let's say there was a sudden death. We don't have a, a consciousness of that before it happens you know we don't know exactly how it's going to happen when it's going to happen to whom it's going to happen to and there's a reason for that because that is one of those milestone things in this journey that it's inevitable it was one it's something that had to happen in this life but with free will you have a consciousness of it and you have contemplation of it so that's why you know we were talking about that this thing was happening and how you were feeling towards it as it was happening and I think that's the beauty of this work is because I can kind of like, you know, when there's like a boxing match and then they, they like take a break and they go to the edge of the ring and there's the trainer and the trainer's like giving them water and giving them a pat on the back. And then they're like, now get back out there and give up a good fight. You know, that's what it is. It's just a, it's just a check-in and an acknowledgement that, hey, you're actually doing a damn good job going through all of this. And I'm acknowledging that you are actually going through it. And you get to go through it in a pleasant way. Right. Or you don't have to go through it at all. But if you would continue to like to, you get to do it in a pleasant way and enjoy the growth. I know. Isn't it nice? We have choice. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much pleasure it there. Nice. It's very difficult for people that have come from very traumatic pasts. Right. That's like a very strange thing. People that have been victims to very serious things. It's a very strange concept. And I can speak personally. Mm -hmm. It's a very strange concept to try to understand like, oh, I get to, I get to have control over how things shift and change. I'm not always a victim. It's a very difficult switch to make. Right. And that's why I keep bringing it up. I don't know why in this, this call, I feel called to keep saying that probably there'll be, hopefully there'll be someone that will listen to this and be like, oh, that makes sense. That although you may have been a victim to something major in the past and maybe a couple times. Right. 
you you are allowed to make the choice that you you don't have to be a victim to growth moving forward right. because all those things that happened to us have molded us into these amazing beings that we are right now in this story since you mentioned you keep bringing it up i'll just say something in yeah. response because yes yeah. this is something that comes in a lot right in the conversation about manifestation in the conversation about taking responsibility for what we create yeah Things happen, right? And even, and especially if like we're really young, but even if we're adults, there are things that happen yeah, it, that obviously we did not ask for. And for sure. there's a way the conversation, the conversation to me anyway, is so kind of in some ways sophisticated and subtle that it becomes so easy for it to start taking on this charge of blaming people or blaming the victim or denying someone's status as a victim. For me, the way that I hold it, and and I want to say, including, you know, things in my own journey, it it comes back to what we're speaking about, which is, no, there are things that happen to us sometimes that are not okay, right? And we have every right to own that, to claim that, to claim our rage, to claim our heartbreak, to claim our, our grief, and to hold people responsible, right? 100%. And... If you are someone who walks spiritual path in a certain type of way, and again, not everyone does, more power to you. I am. Yeah. For me, it's also holding this possibility that on a soul level, and this is kind of what you're saying, it makes us who we are. On a soul level, perhaps there was something I was meant to get from this experience. And it's not that I'm to blame, I'm not responsible for it, it's not my yeah. fault. Nothing that invites the energy of let me mm-hmm. yeah disown my rage disown my righteousness it's, it's again it's multiple things being true at once something yeah, bad exactly. has happened here and i demand it to be answered for if i do demand yeah. it to be answered for right and in the place where i believe in some higher plan because that's true for jamie it's true for me to believe yeah. in a higher plan i believe yeah. there's something in this for me to learn to get to understand and that for me again is jamie brings yeah. me I mean even just saying it in my body I just start to feel a sense of relief it's like oh, oh. it's like okay yeah. like you know it doesn't all have to be in your shoulders you're yeah and you're just going through it I mean the other thing I'd add to this too that I think sometimes and this comes up in my work with clients sometimes I think part of the understanding or part of what we're meant to get from some of these situations especially when they happen later is actually to empower us to connect with feelings that may have been yeah. hard for us to connect to, 100%. you know? So like, 100%. holy shit, this is the place where I finally get to connect to my rage that I've been carrying. This is, I finally get mm. to connect to my heartbreak that I've been carrying. Exactly. Like whatever it is, like let me finally feel it. Totally, um, totally. But it's, totally. you know, as I say this too, I just, I suddenly have so much compassion for all of us because it, yeah, there's a way in which this lifetime can be fun. And I'm just, it's like, I'm hearing but this it's thing. really hard. It's hard. It's like, oh my it's God, so being hard. a human, we go no, through this... some tough shit. No, living on earth is some sadistic shit, honestly. Because at the end of the day, no matter how hard you work or as much as you do, it is still fucking hard. It's still hard. If you are having a human experience or even, well, an experience on earth, it's, this shit is hard. And yeah. all you can do is your best. That's it. That's it. 
Because also, too, I mean, you spoke to it. You said you work in symbols. You know, I'm always looking at themes and patterns because I do. I believe we come into these lifetimes to learn certain lessons. And so, yeah, it's like everything that happens. I'm always just looking at what's the flavor of it? What's the theme here? You know, it's always bringing in that witnessing. So even the things, again, that are just horrible things that then uh, (laughs) and then you have to go through it and you have to process it and you have to heal it. But, you know, it's like, what's what's the theme here? What's the pattern here? What's what's this showing me about? my life's journey again if you choose to believe that and I think that's the thing I always want to bring in because I always want to say like you know like we're saying everyone has choice there is no mandate you have to believe in this you could Mm -hmm. believe there's no such thing as life task or reincarnation that things are random and if something crappy happens to you that's just it and I I love that for you if that's what's true for you you don't have to buy into this yeah, it's just what I choose to believe and it's the space that I hold and in that place where yeah. I hold it this is how I view it but I yeah. guess I just wanted to say it because I just I, I heard you yeah. saying well this keeps yeah. coming in so I was like alright well maybe I yeah. should you know kind of articulate yeah. and also you know this may be like a crazy thought but I often say this even being here right now we're choosing to be here like we are both choosing to live in this life today on this earth we're choosing it so we choose consciously to be alive every day if you didn't want to be in the story not that anyone should ever do this but i'm saying you could end your life and the story would be over but you're choosing to be here living every day you are literally it's a choice it is your choice to be alive in the story every day mm-hmm. you don't have to choose it i'm so glad that everybody is choosing to be alive in the story but it is your choice Exactly. And that's why I'm always saying, you know, sometimes I specifically work with people around what I call creativity or creative energy. And I'm always saying, though, that doesn't mean art. It doesn't mean you have to be writing a book or like making a sculpture. Our creative energy exists in everything we do, because from the moment we wake up, we are making choices. We make choices about how we decorate our homes. We make choices about whether or not we make our beds. We make choices about our morning routine. These are all choices and they all reveal something about us and they reveal about what's going on inside of us and you know where we're flowing where we're blocked and and so I suddenly don't know why I'm saying this but you know just this notion and when I hear you talking about choice it's like we have choice in every moment and every choice is an expression of our creative energy and there is always this question of like what do you want to be creating and how do you want to be creating it yeah besides the things that we 100% don't have a choice on which is like destiny things those are two they're separate you know right that's like the soul choice that's how I would hope that is the soul choice like yeah exactly those are two different things yeah Mm -hmm. and I think it's all it really is just about balance Mm -hmm. like You don't have full control over what exactly happens every single day of your life. Like you cannot control if a sudden death happens or anything like that. Or systems. But you can also control, yeah, yeah, but you can also control other things. And really, and it goes back to just doing our best and keeping balance. Like everything is about just finding that balance the whole time. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And you will know when there's not, not that balance because you won't be feeling good. You'll be feeling anxious. You'll be contemplating things and trying to find answers for things. You have these questions. Yeah. Yeah. And the one other thing that I kind of wanted to say about this topic that really came through too, because I know we were bringing in what I was calling the martyred voice of, Oh, it's so difficult. And, um, you know, being a little bit glib admittedly about it. And again, I want to own, I've been there. So please know when I'm, when I'm being glib about it, it's sort of directed towards myself as much as anyone else. But underneath that, what I just got this hit off of, you know, in the place where we do sometimes play the martyr like that or victimize ourselves like that, you know, you were mentioning how so many of us have experiences of trauma early on. And it's like, oh, I could just suddenly feel how 
I think in part, that's the place where I think for a lot of us, we feel like something still hasn't been fully seen and heard. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like something's happened that hasn't been fully seen and heard. So earlier I was talking about like, well, what part of you might be pulling away from Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for your strong energetic boundaries so you can flow in your life? Well, look, if there are things that have happened that we feel haven't been truly seen or heard, of course, of course, we're going to have some investment in quote unquote playing the victim because there is a place where we were victimized and it never got answered for. Although where that takes me again, kind of to the earlier point of, and that's why it's so important starting with ourselves that we create space to see and hear what happened for ourselves. Because if we're not willing to own the experience, this kind of goes back to owning our gifts, but it's true. It's like, if we're not willing to fully own holy shit something happened to me it had an impact I have feelings about it mm-hmm. well then it's going to be harder to create a reality where that is being seen and heard by yeah. others yeah. but I just wanted yeah. to bring that in because it, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. feels more compassionate than just glibly poking yeah. a little fun at it well let me ask you if I, I know we've been on a while I just kind of want to bring in one other topic before we go just kind of connected to animals you know to bring this back to animals. Yeah. I mean there's so much we could talk about I actually planned to I wanted to hear so much more about how you developed your gifts and the discovery of all that but yeah. maybe we'll save we'll it for have to do another session. Yeah, exactly. But what I do want to ask you, because earlier you were talking right about how animals have their own intuitive wisdom and there's a give and take of energy with the animals in our lives. Mm. And one thing that I definitely was curious about was, do you have an idea or a theory or a notion of the role that animals are specifically playing in our lives and vice versa? Like what, yeah. yeah, yeah. what's the kind of spiritual or energetic relationship that we have with animals and the animal kingdom and why we have them in yeah. our homes and all that? It's a very good question. So my dog just recently passed and um, it was like the worst. And, you know, it was so interesting hearing what people were telling me about like where, the, where my dog was going, you know, and they gave me this poem about the Rainbow Bridge. And it's beautiful. I'm so grateful that they, you know, that someone took the time to do that. But at the same time, I don't really believe in that, that like, he's going to doggy heaven. Well, he's not. And the reason (laughs) I know that is because why every time that I communicate with an animal that's passed over, are passed over loved ones coming through too. They're all in the same place. And that's why I believe that they are part of the soul family. So that's why you will talk about, and you know what I'm talking about, where you just have this such an intense, undescribable connection with an animal. And even after they pass, you're continuing to receive guidance from them, information from them. There's all of these things that happen. There's two things. The way that it seems to me is that they are part of the soul family. And so everyone in your soul family, when there's things that happen, everyone is receiving growth from it and giving growth to, to the thing. You know, like when someone passes, it's not just about the person that passed. It's about how that has molded the husband, that's how that's molded the child, how that's molded the relationship between the siblings. You know, there's all of this, these different things that happen from that event, right? And animals have to do with that. So they're part of the soul family. So that's why they are part of a dynamic in the home. There's commentary on how they fit into a home, what, they, what, what they'll show me about what's happening with the family, with the husband and the wife, with the boyfriend of the sibling, whatever it is, right? But then at the same time, they're a little different to humans because they don't have an ego. Right. So they have this beautiful way of giving us guidance without an ego layer. Mm-hmm. So when they're giving me information, it's just matter of fact. 
Where like if a person says, well, I feel resentment towards my husband because of he did X, Y, and Z. Now, sure, she feels resentment, but she also has an ego. So what is her ego layer doing to mold how she receives an experience and, how, and what he's doing in that experience? Where with an animal, they're not showing me that they feel resentment towards a situation. They're showing me what the situation just actually is, mm. which is different to humans. Animals don't have this ego. So I don't have to like break it down. So I believe that animals are having an experience and a growth in this lifetime in the home with you. They are part of your soul family and they are molding you in a certain way. But they're also spiritual guides and have an enlightened experience whilst being on earth Mm -hmm. so that's why people will talk about like i was upstairs crying and my dog came in and like gave me comfort how did the dog know Mm -hmm. how did the dog know that you were quietly crying upstairs or you know things like that how does it how can the dog pick up on certain things that are happening and then even after they pass they're giving us guidance and comfort and closure and clarity as we're having this sometimes painful human experience Mm -hmm. so it's two things some people some people believe that dogs or animals in general that are in the home just they're just our guides they're here for us people say well animals are here for us i do not subscribe to that um, because they are going through a certain amount of growth and understanding too i mean animals come here and they experience you know they experience abuse and growth from that overcoming trauma rewiring trauma understanding dynamics in the home all of these different things, they're experiencing jealousy. If they weren't supposed to come and be enriched by earthly experiences, then why would animals be so sentient that they can experience jealousy, loss, grief, Mm. pain, anger? Why would they have the capacity to to have those things if they weren't meant to? It makes me smile because it just makes me think about my dog, Bobby. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what he was, I wonder what his lessons were. But I mean, he was a very evolved soul, but... Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, my own, I mean, obviously, well, I won't say that. You know what? (laughs) We all have many different potential gifts and we're all pools of limitless potential. I was about to say, I'm obviously not an animal communicator, but um, I'm certainly, it's not something that's developed in me, let's say, um, like it is in you. But, um, you know, kind of my own sense as a dog owner and dog lover has always been, I think there's sort of two things that I've always felt about the the animal's role in our lives. I mean, one certainly is just the way it connects us to our hearts, right? And For it just sure. connects 100%. us to that sense of unconditional love. And 100%. I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's like this direct shot into something that I think otherwise can be so hard to access in this kind of hard, insane world. But then the other mm-hmm. thing that I've really noticed over and over and over again is that it, it's always just so fascinating to me how animals tend to come and go in people's lives at these like turning points in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm always feeling like, I don't quite know what I mean by this, but the language that always comes through is our pets, they hold something for us. You know, they sort of come in at a certain time where, you know, we're in some yeah. sort of process or something's happening. And it kind of like, I mean, you use the word guide, like they're holding a space yeah. somehow 100%. for us during this time. And Again, I don't know quite how that works because, yeah, yeah, I'm not an animal. I don't know what's going on with them energetically, but yeah. But the thing is that although they're holding space for us, we are also holding space for them. I mean, think about the transformations that animals go through when we adopt or rescue them. Everything, for example, my dog, 
Um, I had to rehabilitate him. He he was so badly abused, no. couldn't grow hair, just a not non-functioning dog. And to where he was four years later, not only did this dog literally save me so many times and exactly what you're saying, give me, hold space for me and so many things that I went through in the time we were together. But the transformation and the space that I held for him that in this lifetime, he got to experience opposites of things he got to experience abuse and unconditional love because of the abuse he wouldn't be able to understand the unconditional love and the sacrifice that i portrayed to him without that different face of abuse to mm. see the difference i love that you know all of these things like we are also doing we are nourishing one another mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah well there's two things i want to say one i love that in a way you kind of just spoke again to that that notion we were bringing in, you know, and I feel like it's such a, it's such a great quote unquote safe or, or abstracted way to bring in this notion of, okay, so here's a dog, not even a human being who experienced abuse. And you have this intuitive knowing of like, oh, on some soul level, you were meant to go through that so that you could then understand on a deeper level, the unconditional love. So like, that's right. kind of an example of what his yeah. soul may have been creating. Yeah. And, and I also believe that if you weren't meant to go through it, you wouldn't have gone through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just, yeah, there's certain things that are just set in stone. And you spoke to something that was coming through me as well and listening to you, which is, yeah, there's something about these relationships we have with these animals. It's what great practice for this principle of yeah. mutual giving. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and there is something, it's so stripped down, mm -hmm. right? Because we are of different species. We obviously do not have a common verbal language. There's something yeah. you could call quote unquote pure about the I don't really like that yeah. word but yeah. stripped down yeah. about that relationship and right. so there is a kind of amazing practice there of what it means to hold space to give right. to receive it's it's exactly. I don't know I suddenly just experience it it's like it's the ultimate it feels like a great kindergarten class of like this is how you are in relationship in a way yeah yeah and a lot of people will be like, oh, animal communicator, she's nuts, like, you know, all of those things. But I, at the same time, I see grown men that are complete non-believers in anything spiritual. Tell me to my face, I think that my dog is really worried about my mother. Or I swear my dog was just looking at me and telling me that he loves me. Or, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, well, they didn't tell you that in English or Spanish, did they? So how do you know that they told you that? Because there is this constant communication happening. We don't, we don't go to school and talk about this, but it's 100% there. It's a scientific fact that 90% of communication is nonverbal. But we just don't, we're not taught to, to see it that way. But this communication and this giving and receiving of information is constantly happening that even the biggest non-believers in any of this will acknowledge the fact that they are aware of their dog's feelings. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said, that's why I caught myself when I said, when I was about to say, well, I'm no animal communicator. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, no, I I read Bobby. I felt Bobby. I yeah. Yeah, I could I, I could even feel kind of impressions of what I would call thoughts. You know, obviously, I had a very close relationship with him. But mm -hmm. who's to say if I'm having that experience with Bobby that I couldn't have it with other animals? Well, well you can. But I also think what's sort of interesting about what you're saying, just to kind of broaden it out to the bigger perspective of this sort of human experience. Yeah, the, the nonverbal communication, I think, sometimes is almost more energetically felt or at least as much mm. as verbal communication. I just know in terms of working with clients, a lot of times the work we end up doing, you know, and we're going back into family of origin stuff and yeah. you have people are saying, well, nothing happened and everything was fine. It is about finding, you know, what were the unspoken 
messages. And then, you know, again, to your point about you have a right to how you feel, supporting them to understand, no, there were silent messages coming in. I felt them. They had an impact on me. And Mm -hmm. I have a right to own that and to claim that for myself. Because you're right. This doesn't get talked about. Yeah, we don't talk about it this way. But I mean, imagine if we did. I mean, I hope that's where we're heading. You know, if it feels like there's a much more sophisticated conversation happening right now. Sure, 100%. 100%. I think we were in the shadows for a long time. But now I find a lot of more people just being more comfortable just owning exactly who they are and what they do. Well, on that note, let me ask you this one thing. If there were one thing that you kind of want people out there who have pets, cats, dogs, whatever, to know, keep into consciousness, walk away with in terms of their own relationship to their pet, what what might it be? I would probably say that you know your animal better than I do. While I may be able to access information that you haven't necessarily practiced to be able to do, you are very equipped and trust those things out of all the, I mean, our brain is such a sophisticated tool, such a sophisticated machine that out of The trillions of thoughts or concepts that our brain could compute, why did it compute that one concept when you were sitting with your dog? You know, trust that information that comes because it's literally information. People will be like, yeah, I was thinking about looking at my dog and I started thinking blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it's so crazy. I don't know why I thought that. You know, and I'm like, well, it's not that crazy because why did you think that? Your brain doesn't just miraculously make up this random shit just for fun. Right. It's a machine. And so I would just say, like, trust those things that come. Listen to it. Even if it feels weird, listen to those things. Again, I just sort of love all the themes that are emerging because this, to me, does relate back just to that notion, too, of claiming your gifts. And yeah. I did have an intention. I wanted to talk more with you about about your different gifts and how they develop. Yeah, maybe, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll do a part two. Yeah. But when people ask me, how do I develop my own intuition? As I already spoke to, OK, do your own inner work. But the other thing that I say that I think is so important is trust what comes through. Yeah. Take it seriously. And I also say yeah. be willing to make mistakes. I mean, who cares if you make a, mis- a quote unquote yeah. mistake? Yeah. But again, in the place where everything starts with the relationship to yourself, if you don't trust that, if you don't own that, and also the way that I always look at it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a furnace. And the way the fire of that furnace grows hotter yeah. is you, you trust it, you speak it, you let yeah. it through, you own it, you own yeah. there is something coming through me. Yeah, and I yeah, trust yeah. it. And even if I have to be in process with it, again, going back to earlier to learn about it, to learn how to work with it, maybe I don't fully understand it yet. Maybe right now it comes out in weird ways and it's not always totally on point. It's fine. Yeah. But to trust there's yeah. something moving through you. And the totally. only way that you can allow it to grow and to evolve is to give it space totally. to grow and evolve. Yeah. yeah. And I think also... One of the tools to be able to do that is to navigate fear of judgment. Right. So, for example, for me, one of the biggest things that hindered my ability to just connect, get information, write it down, call a person was what I didn't realize, you know, in my own life for a long time, I had fear of judgment. What did people think of me? How was I being perceived by others? Scared of being judged and being misunderstood and all of these things that would affect my daily life. And it was this narrative that had existed since I was such a young kid for certain reasons, right? And it was so second nature, you don't realize it. But then when it came to my work, I would get information. I'd be like, oh my God, what are they going to think when I say that? Whatever. 
and realizing that that is actually affecting my ability to now receive information. The story that I have a fear of judgment, what are people going to think? Removing your own ego out of the way and just imagining yourself as just a telephone line. I mean, it's like such a breath of fresh air to just know that this story, as I'm in, a, in connection with an animal and a person or two people or whatever it is, I have nothing to do with it. I'm just the telephone line. That's it. That's all oh, the translator. That's it. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with my ego. But you can only really get there once you navigate, like what you're saying, your own self. Because right. I had to navigate that concept of fear of judgment because I had no idea what what is life like if it's actually got nothing to do with me. What is life like? And I really had to get rid of that thing. And now, not only does judgment not exist in my professional work, but it doesn't exist in my life because I had to really like chisel that away and find where that came from and then cultivate a feeling that I never felt before of not fearing judgment. Right. Which is a lot of work. Yeah. Not making your, the worthiness of what's coming through conditional on how other people receive it, which is like, that's such a, (laughs) it's such a pitfall or a trap. It's it's a tough thing to navigate for sure. Yeah. And again, it's a process. I mean, for me, where a lot of this took me, I, I have a relationship to just feeling weird. You know, my energy is too big and too weird. And that was something that I had to kind of come up against in owning, Mm -hmm. yeah, owning this part of me and the information that was coming through. And I mean, now it feels so not a big deal at all, but I was doing one of my first official intuitive readings and I suddenly just got this image of the Statue of Liberty randomly. And I think in my head at that time, I was like, well, why is that coming in? It's random. It's weird. It's also banal. It's not going to mean anything to her. And then it's going to like fall flat. But I just knew I was like, look, this is, this is my job. (laughs) My job is to bring through whatever is coming through. And so I risked in that moment, just saying, look, I'm getting this image. You know, does this mean anything to you? And of course her eyes went wide and she was like, I can't believe you just said that. This is what that means to me. And it was totally connected. So it's like, you have to take those. And by the way, she could have said, no, it doesn't mean anything to me. And it's like, then we move along again. I'm saying that to the people listening, just trust it, follow it, take the pressure off, have fun with it. And also by the way, and I'm sure you've experienced this. I've been doing this long enough now where I've had readings with people, I'm bringing stuff yeah. through. Oh, I don't yeah. know what you mean. That doesn't feel right. I don't 100%. think so. Six months 100%. later, they come back being like, you were completely right about that. It's, 100%. The way I always say it, this is how I say it. And I think this is, I think this is really good. <laughs> yeah. I trust everything that comes through and I'm also completely willing for it to be wrong. Meaning, because I think there is a balance. I think sometimes I see people get a little too precious about, I say it, therefore it is, and I'm the expert, kind of like the guru thing you were talking about. And it's like, no, 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 no. I have to be, I want to hear from the client. I want to know how it's landing with them. I still get to discern whether I feel that, you know, maybe they're resisting something or not, but I'm not going to cling to this like so preciously. Mm. Um, So I do think there's a balance balance there but yeah it's like you have to be willing to honor and trust in what comes through and then yeah yeah, be willing to be wrong it's fine you know and to hold all of it lightly yeah and I think it's also very important to know that it is not your job to prove your abilities to anybody right and it's also not your job to convert anybody to what you do it's Mm -hmm. not your job 
It's not your job. Yeah, it's almost like the way that I see it, this is a creative art, you know, and it's just kind of yeah. like writing or making music. We're just doing our art and we offer it to offer it. And hopefully it's of service and of value to others, but it's not up to us how it's received. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's if you if you define yeah. your offering and your worth based on how it's received, you're screwed. No, you yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I feel like this was chock full of information. Yeah. I feel like there were so many things we were going to talk about and we didn't, but it's fine. We talked about some good stuff. Yes. We surrendered to the flow and to where it went. Yes. Love that. I so appreciate you giving us your time, your energy, your wisdom. Let people know where they can find you, how they should reach out to you, who should reach out to you. Just let us all know. So you can find me on Instagram at the Sarah Lee, T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-L-E-A. And then my website is www.thesaralee.com. And, you know, if you have questions, just DM me. People are always DMing with questions. Um, If you want to book, just go to the website and there's a form and it's just pretty easy to book online. Um, Or email me if you have questions. For those listeners that have pets, I have a pet CBD company called Heal, www.liveheal.com. For those with pets with anxiety, arthritis, pain, all of those kinds of things. And then I just started something called the Pet Grief Box, where what I realized when I lost my dog, you know, like two weeks ago, there were so many things that I needed because it's a very, the veil is very thin during that time, mm-hmm. you know, and there were, I, I always tell my clients when, when your animal passes, I believe it takes around 40 days for an animal to reach enlightenment, light a white candle, have these intentions of them going towards the light, to, towards those people that have already passed over, that trusting that they're safe, having make sure making sure they're protected on that journey, all of those things, adaptogens, like all of these things to support you during a time that you know what it's like. It's fucking hard. Um, and I didn't have any of those things. I didn't like have any support. So I started a thing called the Pet Grief Box, where you basically don't have to leave your house. It just arrives to you and you're supported in that way. Because a very important part of going through the grieving process and losing an animal that has a connection to you like no other human there's a very spiritual thing that happens there that we don't talk about and so anybody that is going through or will go through that if you've listened to this is acknowledging that it's not just a physical loss Mm -hmm. there is a spiritual shift that happens an emotional shift that happens it shifts your energy completely and take time when those things do happen to really just sit with that and know that the veil is thin and that you don't have to fear what happens to them, where they go, but that there is a process that happens. It's so funny because as I mentioned, Bobby died March 12th, I think it was, at 2020. And so when I hear you say the veil is so thin and then it was like for me going straight from that into COVID just exploding. I know. To me, the veil just felt so thin throughout all this pandemic, right? Because there's so much death happening. There were so many things happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that was also part of why, honestly, in a weird way, and we talked about this in the reading, I just had, Mm -hmm. when Bobby was going through that, he he was really healthy until he he just went down in in his last month. Yeah, yeah. He was in hospice. And, but I just had such a strong feeling and knowing of, um, like this is this is what's supposed to happen like this is right this is your right timing it is literally well yeah exactly but I knew it you know and I think COVID somehow even felt a part of that because it was almost like my life changed but then the whole world changed Mm -hmm. and I remember going into lockdown and you know people would say to me oh it's so horrible like you don't have him during lockdown and 
I kind of felt like I actually can't even imagine him here during this time. I don't think he was, again, I don't think he was supposed to be here now. Well, if he was supposed to be here, he would have. Right. Yeah, it was just interesting to me that I could feel it. So yeah, but that's what I'm, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm so glad that you did because it gives so much more clarity and it really does help with that healing process. Because you have to mental like you've got to conceptualize things and mentally understand these things too. No, the whole time I knew, I just knew. I was like this is yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. And I think I yeah. shared with you, but when, you know, it finally came time to say goodbye to him, I literally saw a spirit team waiting for him. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it amazing. was just like, oh, okay, like it just felt right to me and like the relationship yeah. had completed and of course he's still with me uh, actually yeah. you <laughs> reported yeah. that you reflected that <laughs> yeah no he's literally still with you I mean I guess I just say that too as a final note because obviously losing mm. a pet can be so devastatingly painful for people and I want to say I had you know dogs in childhood that I was attached to where I had that more kind of maybe what I would call traditional experience of just being devastated and wrecked. And with, you know, the whole time I had Bobby, I was just anticipating like, how hard is this going to be? And I was so shocked and surprised by how graceful the process was Mm -hmm. and how at peace with it I was. Not to say there wasn't mourning and grief because there was, but it just, it just, I was so surrendered to it. And I think it almost, people don't even know how to respond. Like even now when I run into people who are like, oh, where's your dog? And I, you know, explain that he's passed on. They're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. That's horrible. And I, and yeah. I'll say to them, actually, you know, I'm, it was actually like, it was this time and I'm okay with yeah. it. And yeah. I can tell yeah. they don't yeah. know how to like take yeah. that. It almost right. makes people uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Right. But anyways, yeah. the reason why I'm saying that though, yes. is just to give hope to people that there's meaning in all of this and it doesn't always have to be just strictly devastating or strictly yes. painful. There is exactly. a meaning we can feel in it. We, there's a there's a timing we can feel in mm. it. There's a grace we can experience. And, and I think what you're saying, it's a spiritual experience. And that was part yeah. of the knowing too. Like when I say he's not supposed to be here, that final month, I could feel it. It's like, we need to let each other go. It's time for me to let him go. And it's mm-hmm. time for him to let me go. Yeah. And yeah. I got other things I got to do. Yeah. And I know I'm not going to do them if he's still, I don't know why that is. I could just feel I'm not going to do it if he's still around. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying this to kind of maybe give hope to, well, I mean, you just lost your pet. I don't know if it's helpful for you, but. No, well, no, but I mean, exactly. Those things that are out of our control really are a trajectory. And even though, I mean, at the time I was like, this makes no sense. Like, why would this happen? I mean, it was so sudden. It was completely just like, but at the same time, even I was feeling that stuff. Then I also knew that everything happens for a reason. And the way that it's supposed to happen is the way that it's supposed to happen. And I know that there will be clarity and guidance on on this as as to why, or like, what am I going to get from this? You always get something from every experience. And it's not always great. It doesn't always feel good, but you, there's a reason. It's not just life fucking with you. Right. Um, and to just trust that, like just surrender to those feelings, surrender to what's happening and just trust that you are actually being held. Even when it feels so fucking devastating and uncomfortable, you are being held. Yeah, the the no, the, the sudden death, yeah. that's so hard. It's funny because... I didn't know when did he die on March 5th. So yeah, I didn't know at the end of January he was going to die in a month. So there's a way in which it was sudden, but he went to the emergency room for the emergency hospital for a weekend. And when they discharged him, they had said like, you should basically euthanize him within a few days. And I remember Mm. just being like, I need at least a few weeks. Like, no. And then 
I ended up having a month more with him where I was really kind of advocating yeah. for his life and doing everything I could do. But totally. that month felt so abundant. You know, I was so grateful for that month and I got to have a process with him, which I think is a huge part of why mm-hmm. I was able to like surrender to what was going on. But yeah, it yeah, is funny yeah. because I think I think there was a delayed reaction where like sometime later <laughs> I kind of turned around and looked and was like, wait a second. I know I had that month with him and that did make it much easier, but that came out of nowhere. I didn't know he totally. was about to die. I don't know. I think it's the shock settled in later. Thing to navigate. Yeah. yeah. Shock is something not to be taken lightly. Well, thank you again. This was so fun. I feel like people are going to get so much out of it. And then, yeah, like I said, maybe we'll have you back around. And I just, I will once again, just reiterate, you are here because I had a session with you. It was really deep. It took me somewhere. It's helped me. There was definitely strong stuff going on energetically. So for anyone out there listening, who's looking for help communicating with a pet, either living or dead, I definitely encourage you to go check Sarah's stuff out. You're so sweet. Thank you. And then for anyone who doesn't follow me, make sure you do on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. As all of you know, there's a lot of housewives content, but there's also a lot of spiritual content as well. And um, if you're interested in my work, just head over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com. And you can read more there. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you for coming by. This was so fun. All right, guys. Till next time. Bye.